You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This has been one of the busiest days of the JSE year so far with so many trading statements and so many sets of results coming out. So who better to analyze the day? Then Graham Kerner from Kerner Perspective in Johannesburg. And a few results came up and I thought of you, Graham, but I'm going to have to go through them. I'm not going to cherry pick. I'm going to go through them and you can say, Lindsay, I don't want to talk about that one. Let's move on to the next one. So I'm going to start with 7.05 this morning. Adcock Ingram Holdings Limited results out. Share price down a couple of percent as we pre-record this. Do you look at this one? Oh, uh, we don't. Um, you know, we, we sort of selected um, uh, Aspen as our, our play in that in that space. Um, I think um, Adcock is doing better things, um, but at the same time, um, you know, you, you sort of say, well, if, uh, if Bitvest have decided, you know, that it's an asset for sale, then it, it sort of speaks volumes to, to me. But, yeah, the market clearly didn't like the update, uh, down 3.8% on the day, and on a one-year view, down almost a 30%. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not looking it's not looking good. And I think the problem is, as you've seen with Aspen, it's it's actually quite difficult to build earnings momentum in these businesses because uh, you know there are lots of challenges. You know, if you own original patents, you've got the um, You've got the uh, the generics guys coming for you in space. In generic space, there are. It's really become a scale game. So it really is a difficult one. Okay, so you don't you don't look at that one. You've chosen your particular security, your particular company in that space, and that's the end of it. Okay, well done. On to the next one, and the next one is Liberty Holdings Limited trading statement in respect of the year ended thirty first of December. Share price, as we speak, pre recorded down two and three quarters percent. Liberty has been through such tough times over the years, and has gone through various iterations. What's it doing now? Well, I think they're busy reinventing themselves. Um, I think um, obviously Liberty is is of interest to us because uh, Standard Bank, uh, you know, owns a big block of it. Um, you know, again, the, one of the problems for us with um, with life insurance companies is they bring you know financial markets through their through their income statements, and there are lots of moving parts, and that tends to you know, mask things. Um, I must be honest, I, I don't like, as you know, barring discovery, which to me is sort of accidentally almost a, a life insurer. Um, we don't like life insurance companies as a rule. We think it's, you know, ultimately they are glorified asset managers and it's pretty difficult to grow the, uh, let's call it the traditional AUM materially. But I, I, having said that, I do think um, Liberty Holdings is getting it right. Um, I think they're also doing it at a time where, a couple of their competitors have, have had a pretty tough time of it. You've looked at, you know, the likes of MMI and uh, even Old Mutual. Um, so I, I get the feeling that out of the bunch, Liberty Holdings is the one that's looking quite quite interesting to me in terms of a uh, a recovery. And, and you know, if you just look at it in, in context, and, and we must always be careful in markets like these to sort of attach too much store to to the recent past, but you look at that share, it's back at where it was, you know, at the beginning of 2013, for example, and, um, you know, the likes of Sunlum, of course, have done a hell of a lot better. So, um, obviously, quite a few own goals um, through the process, but, you know, you just compare it, uh, as I say, Liberty Holdings virtually flat over, over the last seven years or so. And somebody like Sunlum is probably just about doubled. So I think there's, you know, if they if they can do the basics right, um, you know, good do good underlying business, start getting some flows, get a little bit of assets under management. I think this one could be quite interesting. But 
you know, I suppose from our point of view, largely academic, be more interested in the contribution that it could make to to Standard Bank, where, you know, often, it, well, not often, it actually comes right at the end with Standard Bank release and they tell you what's happening in, you know, CIB and um, and personal and business banking and the rest of Africa, you know, and then you, you get this one coming in right at the end and it's, yeah, probably what I think about an 8% contributor more often than not. So that's the only interest we really have in Liberty Holdings. And as I say, I think out of all of them, it could be quite, quite an interesting one over the next three or four years. What's been very interesting for a long time now is Woolworths Holdings Limited unaudited interim group results for the 26 weeks ended 29th of December, cash dividend declaration as well, share price down around about 2.5% at the moment and it's gone from where it is now in the low 40s to the low 50s recently, now back to the low yeah. 40s and this looks... I don't know, it just looks a bit precarious to me, I must admit. I thought it would put in a bottom. Maybe this, if you're a chartist, maybe this is a double bottom. Maybe this is the time to buy. But anyway, those results not good. Women's wear not doing well. Food always doing well. And I don't know, they, I wish they could just do what they do with food in other areas of their business. Yeah, and I think the, in inverted commas, new management need to need to clean it up. And, you know, it's easy to say put David Jones behind you, but the reality is they paid a you know, a truckload of money for that and uh, you can't just walk away from it. So I think they've got to try and nurse that back in a in a very difficult Australian retail environment. Um, I think, you know, if I look at the, the Woolworths stores and, you know, Peter Lynch always says, if you want to do your research, walk around the store and see, you know, how busy it is and how full people's baskets are. And I, I get the sense that Woolworths is definitely um, not riding the wave that they did five years ago when everybody said, you know, LSM 9s and 10s are bulletproof. Um, I think things like immigration and the fact that the likes of, of checkers are kind of getting that premium offering right in certain areas are definitely hurting them a little bit. But I think at its core, the food business is still good. Um, I think the clothing business has been has been patchy at best for some time. Um, if they can get that business right and arrest the damage at David Jones, it probably could have quite an interesting future. But, you know, it's like MassMart. Um, but I think the difference is you kind of get the feeling that MassMart has taken a lot of the, uh, a lot of it on the chin and there's probably quite a lot of optionality. Um, whereas Woolworths, I think the, the, the core bread and butter business, if you look at food, for example, and maybe some of the South African, other South African operations have, have generally traded well. Um, whereas somebody like MassMart has been absolutely hammered, um, you know, down 42% in the last year. And, you know, I was just reading earlier today and you get the feeling that Walmart have kind of had enough and they're now probably going to start demanding their pound of flesh. But, um, yeah, look, I mean, there's so many companies in South Africa, Lindsay, who, and you'd say, well, I told you so, you know, you could see, the mood in South Africa is grim and the confidence in in the, the government's potential to turn this thing around was slipping, um, you know. So you're seeing a lot of companies come out with five, you know, 15, 20% down. So, uh, yeah, um, and I think, unfortunately, they are one of those. Truwis is the next one, and we're only up to 7.30 in the morning from the Stock Exchange and New Service Announcements. Truwis, I had a really good chat with one of my favourite CEOs, of a man who's honest and tells it straight, never pulls the wool over your eyes. His name is Michael Mark, and you can listen to that on strictlybusinesspodcast.com. But anyway, Truwis came out with numbers, and I think what happened was that it was 
was in the price anyway, these very, very anemic numbers. They weren't down, but they weren't particularly up either, just very, very slightly higher when it comes to headline earnings per share and earnings per share, etc. But anyway, the share price up around about 5% at the moment, mainly because of the last few weeks since the results were collated, they've done well. But uh, yeah, a nimble company that is, is holding its own, that's the way I can describe it. Yeah, and I think Michael Mark has long, for a long time been seen as you know one of the best retailers, rightly, in, in South Africa. A few years ago, was obviously on his way out, and then you know came back in through the revolving door. Yes. But the but the you know the reality is, I think to your point, they they are well run, they are nimble. Um, you know, to to sort of be be treading water in this environment is 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 a credit, particularly if you can manage the costs. So, yeah, and market is definitely happier with those results than what you've seen out of some of the others. The stock over up over 5% uh, on the day. And that, you know, it's on, on a day where, you know, you've got, you know, the gold stocks up and a couple of the small caps that have been hit quite hard in the last while. But, you know, it out of the bigger caps is, is definitely the biggest performer. Uh, maybe SAPI is similar around 5.4% up, but... The rest of the, you know, the market is looking pretty, pretty dull, down about a quarter percent on the all share. Okay, here's the one that you're looking forward to, uh, Discovery Limited. The interim results for the six months ended 31st of December. When the trading update came out just a few days ago, the market punished it. And now the market is yeah. saying, well, that's all in the price as well. So we're a flat to half a percent higher, uh, something like that. But if you look at the share price of around 107 Rand per share, it's not that far off the recent low or the 52-week low, I think it is, of around about 98, yeah. 99 Rand a share. So people still not quite quite convinced about this one, Graham, and I, but I know you're a big fan, as I am, but just something at the moment not quite gelling with the investment community. Well, I think there are a few things that are not gelling. You know, firstly, they obviously have got a, a, a rapidly growing footprint in China, and markets are worried about that. I think the NHI is the sort of Damocles seems to be hanging over their head. The combination of their Chinese operations, which are, which has become a very significant in terms of number of lives um, in their world, um, NHI, I think, is a, a big issue for them. Uh, concerns and uncertainties about how that thing is going to play out because it looks as though, you know, Dr. McKeezy seems hell-bent on actually rolling this thing out. And then, you know, more recently, of course, the, the medical regulators coming up with sort of findings against them. So I think there's a lot of anxiety around. Um, but we still think it's a it's a really well run business, and um, it's one to definitely add um, on 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 the long term. And I would see this um, again today. It rallied, but it's now back at sort of just under 107 as we speak. And I get the feeling that that that's a, a really good level at which to buy this thing on a on a five year view. And again, I think you'll look back in five years time, and you, you'll say, okay, well, we knew they'd invested in. You know, in all these new ventures, and including the bank, and it may not, you know, become huge money spinner over the next two or three years. But I think over time, that that kind of pie chart of the earnings contribution from different offerings and different geographies is going to make it look very different five years from now. So, you want to, I think, you want to be using this weakness and general negativity and sentiment because um, it's obviously affecting all the life offices, uh, just as it is then. 
Anglo-American PLC, their results for the year ended 31st of December. What a story this has been. I mean, we know, we, we knew, of course, that it was going to be a great set of results because of what we've seen with Anglo-American Platinum and Kumba Iron Ore and the dividends that those two subsidiaries of the parent company have paid them. So we knew that they were going to do well, even though you know, when you see the results in black and white, it does your heart good, I suppose, to be a South African investor and someone who has followed the JSE for a long time because Anglo-American is still important. Yeah, but you know, we we were we were joking in the office earlier today, and five years ago, you know, people were were wanting to crucify you for holding Anglo American when you know there were big questions around the solvency, and how over the last four years and five years it's just become the absolute star. And you know, Kutufani was bragging about the total return that shareholders have received over the last five years, and on, on Bloomberg, I think he was quoting numbers of thirty four percent. You know, between dividends and um, and and share prices. Yes, and I think that that is that is is very gratifying. Um, I think the diamond market might have been dealt a little bit of a temporary blow, courtesy of what's happening um, in in China. But you know, the long and the short of it is, these are the reasons that it's good to have diversified portfolios. Um, you know, truthfully, in the last little while, we we. Uh, rebalanced and took some of the you know the overweight positions in Anglos and BHP off the table um, and this was all even before the coronavirus because yeah absolutely uh, you know iron ore has been strong Kumba's been been spitting cash delivering good results you know nice dividends out of Amplats as well but you just got to be careful you know just as it was a screaming buy at 60 80 or 100 rand you know you also don't want to assume it's just going to carry on going up forever no Exactly. Cyclicality is the word that you have to be very, very wary of. I'm just looking at this one now because this is one of your favourites. And it's City Lodge, Graham. I mean, just put your cards on the table here. You've spoken about City Lodge on several occasions. You do hold the stock, correct? Yes. Average occupancy. Sounds like a cross-examination and, yeah, yes, it, hostile it, prosecutor. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're like Jay Powell now in front of Congress. Why on earth did you cut interest rates when you said you were going to raise them? Commentary. Average occupancy. I feel more like Dudu Mnieni in, in, in the high court. But <laughs> Okay, yeah. Dudu, listen to this. No, so... <laughs> Average occupancies for the group in the six months to the 31st of December declined to 54% from 58% in the previous interim period. So you've got a hotel, you've got 100 rooms, and only 54 are occupied. That's it's not a great business at the moment. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think you're right. But I think that the flip side to that is that um, these are record lows and courtesy of business confidence at, you know, almost a generation low. Um, I still think at its core, it's a good business. Um, possibly the expansion into into some of the African markets uh, locations, not ideal and, and, and um, timing, not great. But yeah, I still think it's a it's a good business. And again, you sort of look at it and you say, well, you know, how much lower do we actually think these occupancy rates are going to go? And if you think about it, that share uh, we didn't buy them; we bought them relatively recently. But you know, that share literally at the beginning of 2018 was 171 rand a share. And just if I look quickly on the chart, so you know, from there to 53, it's lost what's it probably almost 70 percent of its value. Um, and the issue is it's still fundamentally the same business. Um, in fact, if you if you go all the way back, um, you know it's probably now trading at uh, at, at at lower than it was, um, you know, after the GFC. You know, so if I just look quickly, you know, it was trading at seventy five rand in two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. So I think that puts it in context. But on the short term, anybody who's seen to have the potential to disappoint. 
and where the business model has got operating, operating leverage that's working in reverse, uh, nobody wants to touch it. But uh, my guess is those are the kinds of stocks from these levels that you could get very good returns on over the next few years. But short-term liquidity is appalling and uh, and nobody wants to hold it. And I think increasingly the narrative towards South Africa um, has become a very negative one. Um, and you can just see there's a dearth of buyers there. You know, it's tightly held. Um, and that's, of course, one of the other problems. There's just very little space for the institutions to get in. Okay, this is one to sit on for the next uh, few years. And hopefully the South African economy and tourism and everything else starts to pick up. On, on a positive note, just like the first seven weeks of the Truworths period since their results, the first seven weeks of the second half of the financial year for City Lodge have seen some better trends, it says here, with occupancies running at similar levels to the prior year, which is good news, I think. So you're holding this one, aren't you? I mean, you're going to hold it or you're going to... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're not going to pay 80 bucks or 90 bucks for it and then go and sell it at 53 because you you, you sort of... You, know, you want to get rid of the evidence, so to speak. So, <laughs> I think um, I think it's it's still a, a, a decent business. I think management now have to dig deep. Um, but you know, coming back to the issue of of the occupancy rates, um, you know, historically, I think the average, if you take a ten year, is probably a, around about sixty percent, sixty one, sixty two percent. You know, just in, I think the the twenty ten euphoria it might have got up to around the seventy mark, but it, it it hasn't been this low for a very long time. But I think it, you can't sort of say, well, only one in fifty only fifty four out of hundred rooms are, are occupied. I think the the reality is that it is a business travel market, and and, and effectively, you know, the the weeks are generally busier. But yeah, I I, I do agree. I think it's a competitive space. There's a a lack of tourism, there's a, a lack of business travel, and they're fighting the four and five stars as well. So um, it's now up to Andrew Whittaker and his team to to you know try and make make lemonade with, with the lemons that they've been given, and, and hopefully you know position this business well and, and manage the costs. But that really is a business I think that's got really good operating leverage. When the occupancy rates improve and things turn around, you know it goes exactly the other way around. Good. Yeah, I stayed um, to one near the Johannesburg, or rather, O.L. Tambo International Airport not that long ago. It's, it's an efficient place. I mean, you're not going to have your, your wedding reception there, but I mean, it's it, it's good. <laughs> it's good if you're silly enough to get married. It's good, honest stuff. Advanced Health Limited, they came out with um, a trading statement down yeah, 9%. We don't look at that one, do we? Yeah, no. Free, Freedom Property Fund, their results came out. It's a penny stock, seven cents, hasn't traded today, no. or it's rather unchanged. No. Don't look at that one. Putt prop, uh, no, they came out with a trading statement. We don't look at that one either. But we do look at the Bidvest group. Bidcorp came out with their numbers yeah. yesterday, and now Bidvest, the South African operation, down five and a bit percent. Yeah, that's a South African story, isn't it? Well, it's a South African story, and I think it's, it's for me... Um an example of how people can just get it fundamentally wrong. Bidvest is a great company. We've spoken about it so many times, but it's largely a GDP proxy. It can't do much more than nominal GDP, you know, maybe a couple of percent points above that. So, you know, how the hell people can can pay 20 multiples for this thing is a, is a mystery to me. Um, yeah, but you know, when the mighty Bidvest, uh, you know, telling you that normalized HEPs are going to be down, call it 5%, and the uh, you know the uh, reported headline number down I think twenty three percent. You you know that times are tough out there, and of course some mark to market effects. But but yeah, it's it's a really competitive and a very very difficult economy to try and function in.
Do you own Bidvest? Do you want to own Bidvest? Is it starting to offer value? So do we own it? Yeah, we still own it for, for quite a lot of clients. We haven't bought it for a very long time. Um, do we like the business? Yeah, I think Bitcorp is probably a better business. Um, gives you more, probably similar earnings growth rates in 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 you know euros or pounds that, or dollars than than this one gives you in rands. Um, yeah, so I think I think truthfully, Bitcorp is better. And if you're going to be playing in that sort of space, I think there are probably a few other businesses that that give you. I think more energy and more levers to pull than the best. Just having a look at these the last couple of weeks since we've spoken. In fact, I think it's been three weeks since we've spoken, Graham. There's been a lot of lot of results, and what I'm seeing is an old school style JSE. In other words, it's split between the Rand Hedge stocks and the digging stocks and the the other stocks, the the retailers and the, the producers in other areas, the service industries, the manufacturing industries. And it really is, there's a real split down the middle. And maybe it's just a short-term phenomenon, I don't know. But it just suddenly it seems as though it's just like the old days. And we used to speak about this many, many years ago when we, you and I first started talking. It was like this. And it, now it's reverted to the mean. Mm. But I think you've got to be careful. So, you know, there was a time when 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 our market flew if if Anglo's and BHP bulletin performed. There was a time when, if memory serves, BHP was for fourteen percent of the index, and Anglo's I think was eleven, and they were the two biggest components. I'm going back over a decade. Yes. And you know, if they had a good a good quarter, then you you know investors had a good quarter, and I think that's in large part what's powered this market over the over the last while. And you know, I know statistics don't work well on radio, but uh, on podcasts. But if you look on the on a one-year view, the, the the basic materials index is up. I think 11% resources up, nine and a half. Uh, industrials down, almost 17. Banks down, eight or nine. Consumer services down, 10. Um, yeah, financials down, 10. So, you know, you've had maybe the likes of Nuspers doing reasonably well, Richmond largely holding level. But it's really been a, a, a commodity play, and the Platinums, of course, have done their part and as of the goals. But I think you're right. It's become a very polarized market. Um, and the easy thing to do is to say, okay, well, you know, let's bullet all the South African SA Inc. stocks because they're just lousy. And look, you know, they're delivering 15, 20% earnings slides and the occupancy rates are falling and the margins are being compressed and they're unable to manage the cost base and, you know, they're unable to pivot towards fourth industrial revolution, whatever the narrative might be. Let's just go and buy Anglers and Bulletins and Anglo Gold. And, yeah, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot of risk in that because ultimately what is good for for the commodity plays is good for SA Incorporated. It just might take a, you know, there might be a little bit of a rubber band, you know, um, before those guys benefit. So I think you just got to be a little bit, a little bit measured in your approach and, and not sort of say, okay, well, you know, Anglo's had a, you know, delivered 12 billions worth of, of, of earnings and, uh, you know, dollars and, you know, they're just going to carry on spitting cash. It's still a good business. It's a good portfolio. But they too suddenly feel they're Teflon coated or bulletproof, and you know they're suddenly moving into potash and a whole lot of things, and yeah, um, and they're still buying back. So yeah, I think you just got to be a little careful not to just get swept away with, uh, you know, just bullet anything like a city lodge or local economy stocks and just hold Nuspass or Anglo American because I think it 
could be exactly the wrong time to do that. Okay, here's a question for you as we close this conversation. I've just won the lottery. I'm coming in. I've got a new suit from Sanson City. I'm coming in. I've never been an investor in the JSE before, and I sit down with you because I've heard you on this podcast, and I think you sound like a, a fine fellow, and you know what you're talking about. So I say, I say, well, I've heard, I've heard from some people that platinum is the place to be at the moment, and I know that gold's doing quite well because I watched the telly last night, and I've also heard that the yeah. South African economy is not doing well, and I also think that overseas is doing quite well because every single day when I turn on the telly, Donald Trump is talking about the U.S. stock market going to an all-time record high. So can you construct a portfolio for me? What do you say to that person, that lottery winner? Do you say, no, well, just wait a second, or do you just say, do what you like, I'll go, I'll go along with your ideas, and hopefully you get it right? What's your attitude? Well, I think the, you could say if you want to buy platinum and gold at this point in the fight, but, you know, buying rhodium and palladium at these levels, then, then, you know, it might be a case of easy come, easy go, yeah? But I think, seriously, though, if you, if you absolutely insist on being in, in the PGMs, I'd probably rather be in platinum itself. I think that metal is lagged, and even Chris Griffiths, who's relatively bullish on the PGMs, I think feels that maybe platinum has got, got a bit of catch-up to play. I wouldn't be piling into the platinum stocks right now because just as you know, a hundred or two hundred dollar move in the metal prices benefits them on the upside with some leverage. Um, if they if those prices settle for any one of a number of reasons, um, and I think in the case of rhodium and palladium, it might just be a case of you know the feeding frenzy or the short covering or whatever it might be ceases. So I wouldn't be buying that. You know, if you want to, if you want gold because you feel gold is a a reasonable hedge against chaos, then yeah, by by all means, go and buy yourself some gold gold bullion trackers um, because the profitability of the, the mines has obviously changed radically. So the operating leverage has diminished and arguably now you've got, you know, a hundred dollar move on the downside is going to have a greater impact than a hundred dollar move on the upside. Mm. And um, yeah, so I think there's no reason to put a, a significant amount of money into platinum and gold shares. Rather, just go and construct yourself a portfolio, yeah, and, and you'll have some rand hedges because that, you know, they are really good companies that offer you rand hedge elements. But you probably now would be tilting or pivoting towards, you know, those really unloved South African stocks that have been hit so hard. And then I'd say, right, let's take, you know, the whatever, 30, 50, 70% of your money will go and buy a blue chip portfolio offshore. And then rather than trying to buy Bidvest as a quality counter in South Africa, I'd say, right, let's just go and buy you, you know, a, a, a Procter & Gamble or Unilever or, um, you know, even a BMW or Volkswagen offshore and, and build a, a, a good quality global portfolio uh, for your kind of rand component and, just buy essay stories that you like. And you just look at the South African banks. I mean, dividend yields are over 7%. Um, there's quite a lot of bad news priced in there. So I think that would be the way we would now be tilting it. Don't go lunatic fringe and try and, you know, play the, the tail end of a, of, of a, a precious metals bull run. Um, you know, just sit it out. You don't have to be there. Um, it's your quality global exposure, probably principally through, through a, a portfolio of 20 or 25 global stocks, and then your SA portfolio gives you stuff that is SA specific. Um, yeah, and you can maybe even throw an Aspen or Discovery in there because you know they they are interesting creatures in their own right. Graham Kerner, thanks so much for your extended time and your excellent analysis as always. That's Graham Kerner from Kerner Perspective in Johannesburg. 
The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.